Break it down now. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I am Ed. And I'm Jacob. And we are back to do a new podcast. Um, it's been a little inconsistent with the quarantine and all sure. oh, this thing. What do they call it? Easter. Yeah. Took up a lot of time. Yeah, it turns out both of us had a little bit to do this last week. Yes, and it wasn't just Easter. There was Good Friday. We didn't do an in-service Monday, Thursday, but there were things around that that people could right. do. And just kind of what will be part of the topic of this podcast is part of it was just adjusting to our new reality, what we can do, what yeah. we can't do, and even like figuring out what we can do and then trying to pull off <laughs> what we think we can do. We did. And we did, yes. We pulled we it off. off. What we could pull off. Yeah, no, that's it's been quite a while. This last week, so we, if you didn't know, we, we tried uh, outdoor worship on the worst days so far uh, in April, possibly including March too. Windy, cold, wet, live streaming for some, which meant that the first service, we lost power to our camera slash phone. Second service, Ed had hypothermia and was shaking. Uh, <laughs> A little bit. But it, it was, you know, it was absolutely wonderful to see people's faces because we did an FM transmitter so people stayed in their cars. And at least for me, that like that made my heart happy to see kids and people you know driving through. And we, we got a great response on comments and stuff on it later on how people thought. But as far as a Easter that went off without a hitch, there were lots of hitches, which, you know, made it a lot easier to preach, hey, remember how... Back in Jesus's time, things weren't easy, and without having to pull a whole bunch of extra context in, it was. Um, yeah, it is. It did kind of, despite all of our technological advances, it was a very old school approach to what church would have been. Right? You were, oh, yeah. you were in a visible spot, and a bunch of people came from their homes to gather around. We did windows up, separation. We were respectful of people's safety, but it was a gathering around a person. Right talking about this event and this kind of backdrop that kind of looked like an empty tomb. So we really intentionally are not focused in on that symbolism as yeah. opposed to the, which isn't a bad thing, but I'm sure other people, like there wasn't a lot of bright lights and flowers and the, the cascading white right. and all of those things, which have been traditional hallmarks of an Easter service. You know, right. we still had some lilies, but we went dark. Yeah. Not because it's like morbid, but like literally there was no sun and it was yeah. like a lot of, we, we went the other way just kind of because that's what we had. Yeah, it was actively raining. But what it did, too, is it kind of peeled away all the extra stuff that you normally do on an Easter, which helped in some ways. And I think, you know, in other ways, it, it didn't evoke nostalgia like a mm. lot of Easter's do. You know, we didn't have the big choir numbers and all that jazz. There wasn't 50 Easter lilies up front. Uh, although we did have some Easter lilies that we kind of packed into our five-gallon buckets that were holding sand to hold down our awning but yeah it was that and i to me i think that was kind of that was kind of a cool thing that it kind of peeled away the pomp and circumstance Mm -hmm. of easter you know in the end i think we based off of what we could figure we served about the same number of people as we did the year before could have been a little bit more depending on how many people that was an estimate based off of you know how many people were at each computer kind of thing it at the core it was what it was where it was a celebration of jesus's resurrection just toned down a little bit yeah which i don't know like making the word like making it real may like easter's real no matter how you celebrate it and that's great but it was uh, i had obviously never been a part of a service like that where 
it lent itself so much to the idea of the people gathering, not because we we emphasize Jesus and the resurrection, the victory over death, and what hope that gives us going forward. And there was a whole undercurrent of hope in this worship too, mm-hmm. but it was much more. I felt geared towards the people who maybe had heard about the resurrection but didn't. What does that mean, right? We're not talking. Right. We did. We talked about the story, the readings from John, and you know Mary the disciples who were there and saw it and believed, but we kind of ended up focusing on those people who may not necessarily be in the scripture specifically. Like, what about the rest of the disciples and the followers and people right. who, when the word got out, they're like, okay, so he's gone. What do we do now? Because we would have asked Jesus for advice. And he's and, not there. And now they have to kind of carry forward. So I feel like that was kind of the theme kind of woven into just the setting, yeah. Yeah, which was Cool. Yeah, because we're—I mean—we're essentially like as a country right now in this Saturday moment. You know, if you think about yeah. Friday was the death, Saturday was the morning time, and then Sunday was the resurrection. I mean, here we are in this space where we're kind of all in our own little tombs. We're mm-hmm. sequestered away. What? And it's real easy to connect with the disciples who kind of huddled together and wondered if Rome was coming for them next, mm-hmm. or the Jewish Sanhedrin. However, you want to see it, depending on which way you ascribe to who was the worst guy. <laughs> in the story, but, you know, even after Peter and John believed in the resurrection, they still went home and kind of chilled. Yeah. Some of the disciples went out fishing, and some of them went on a walk, and, you know, like, they didn't do what they had done for the three years before that when they were following Jesus. Yeah. Which, in this, I don't think, yeah, that's not like a, we're not indicting the disciples. I mean, if you put yourself in those shoes, this yeah. charismatic, incredibly wise person who, depending on how you want to interpret the Bible, legitimately had supernatural powers, is in front, you tend to be a little braver, because it's like, oh, Jesus will figure this out. After right. three years of mind-blowing stuff, and then it's gone, you're like, I don't know what to do. I mean, it's, it's you know, there, there is that depression, grief, mourning, like you said, but it is that not just in the wake of this vacuum that happened when Jesus left. Right. It's one of those things I don't think that, like the Gospels don't speak of it much because that's kind of not the point of the Gospels right. instead of the story. But when you think about that, that what happened to people in that space of dude who had all the answers, who handled everything, pieced out, so now we don't know. Like, let's think about what he said. And it's, we don't have the chronology of how long it took for them to get their stuff together other than we count to Pentecost. But like... Well, Even we, that's we do short. have we do have some of the chronology okay, yeah. because Paul's letters, at least, were written pretty recently after the resurrection. Some as early as you know they suspect within ten years. So they got it together somewhat quickly there. But yeah, no, we don't have like a not like now or oh they checked in at this place and then they right. checked in there. Um, but the equivalency it was it was a pretty quick turnaround as far as the movement. I think one of the reasons we also don't see a lot of like what happened next is that while they were gathering these stories, while they were telling, while they were spreading the good news, they really believed in those early days that Jesus was coming back like tomorrow. Right. So it was, let's help as many people as possible, but nobody was sitting there, because most of the, you know, the disciples couldn't read or write. None of them were right. well-educated. Well, okay, that's not fair. Maybe some, maybe the tax collectors, maybe Matthew could have written. But it is more likely when they started to die, they realized, oh, we've got to have somebody to write these stories down. And so that happens 30, 40, 50 years later, after all of this and so you have this space where for a while they just thought it was going to happen tomorrow they thought paul's letter to the thessalonians talks about this ascension idea this where we really get the idea of a rapture is from paul and so yeah the the moment the resurrection one it changed i mean it, it changed the way everyone did everything and that was kind of one of the one of the things that i 
appreciated from one of my professors, uh, George Wiley, in college was that he's, he pointed out that there is a one way that we know that the resurrection happened by reading scripture without relying on scripture itself or, or without having to go out and have another writer tell us that that was true. And we see that in, because in, I think it's Corinthians, Paul gives a list of people who witnessed Jesus's death and resurrection and saw him after he was resurrected. And so there's a list. So thinking about this, that we got to use some logic here, but there, let's say, so Paul doesn't just say, believe. He says, you should believe. And Peter, John, the disciples, the apostles, and these 500 people saw. So if you are doubting, go talk to one of them. And so here's the thing to know. If that had not worked, if they hadn't, if they had, because you can guarantee you those people, some of those people who read that letter went and checked. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, I mean, if they were doubting, here's a way to figure out the answer to your problem. If that had been wrong, if they had checked and those people had not seen Jesus after his death and had not been witness to his, his death itself, then that letter would have been crumpled up and thrown in the trash. Like the yeah. movement would have stopped. And that's the, the thing that you see is that this was a massive change in how the Jewish people thought to move from there is one God to a holy trinity and also that Jesus was the son of God, those paradigm shifts that changed because God wrought something pretty amazing was only possible because of enough people witnessed the death and resurrection that they could essentially attest to this has happened. And you look at like sociological factors, like a massive change, like moving from a one God to a three God system, which yes, three in one, but in the rawest of forms, a lot of religious texts consider the Holy Trinity, three separate gods, even though we know them to be of one substance. Anyway, so there's this sense of if these things happened, and and realistically, that sociological reality for something massive like that to change in a religion that was a thousand plus years old would have had to have been massive and society-wide. It couldn't just have been in a small town or couldn't just have been in Jerusalem. It would have had to have been something that translated and pushed its way, made its way throughout Jewish culture at the time. And then, you know, the fact that some people didn't and some people did convert isn't as big of a thing as a huge portion of folks started to follow the way, which mm-hmm. is what it was originally called early on in the days, because they were the Jews who followed the way, mm-hmm. the way of Christ, which technically Christ is his title, not its last name. Because right. <laughs> Christ just means anointed one. Yeah, that's a great point because we look at how in the wake of Easter, there's a lot of pondering meditation in what do we do from here? We pay tribute to the resurrection. What does that mean for us and this kind of relationship we have with God? But in the sense of we're kind of walking those same footsteps a lot closer now than maybe in the past because they were adjusting to new reality, and obviously we are very much so too as far as, as you had said, if they didn't have this community to connect to with these stories and these testimonials to, I would say, justify that choice, but at least reaffirm it. Legitimize? Yeah, legitimize. There you go. So we're in this space, too, where we're forced to separate, and what we've done here over the last couple of weeks, month, is figure out how do we continue to have our community in ways that we can, Mm -hmm. not just legally, but like with regards to people's health, right? We're in the middle of a quarantine for a reason. There is a virus. The way we used to do stuff doesn't work anymore because we can't do small groups. We can't do congregational gatherings on Sunday mornings. Like not to say that like church is dead, but like the way we did church had to radically shift just so we could keep our faith community. Right. Like I don't want to say intact. I don't want to make it sound like we're splintered, but you know what I mean? This. Well, 
but we've kind of like we peeled away the outer layers of the onion yeah. you know like if the stuff that you don't have to have in our day and age you know now what what i think a lot of there's also that odd thing i think a lot of churches are realizing that technology is not the devil right now which you know some some of us have been saying this for our entire lives um and still others have said we shouldn't need it and and now we do need it mm-hmm. But yeah, what is the core of what we do? It's not the hymns we sing. It's not the fact that, you know, we have to do this or that. We don't have to have candle lighters on Sunday. We don't have to sit in our exact spot in our pews. We, those things don't make us people of faith. In fact, you could argue they're just the habits that surround it, right? They're the outer layers of what it means to be followers of God. They're the, the things that we put into place to make it easier to follow God. Okay. Maybe. You know, sure. like if we, we don't have to think about where we're going to sit in church because that third pew is always my mind. Right. Um, or, or fill in the blank there. And I think that's you know, that maybe one of the reasons why if you've always sat in the same pew your entire life, that it can be hard for you if someone comes in and sits in your space. Oh, yeah. I mean, those are routines that we build yeah. that, like you said, help us. I mean, not a bad thing at all, but it is. Like you get a pattern of recognizing your faith and strengthening it. Yeah. And when those patterns get disrupted, that can be... You said really hard for people. Yeah. Well, and I guess one of the things that I wonder is, is it really the parts of our faith that are the ones that are being tested right now? Or is it all these other things that we, we were so used to doing? You know, my, my hope is that we get into this space where we begin to say, do I need those things in that same way? Because that's kind of what I'm sitting here looking at. You know, my wife and I, a lot of what we've done the last couple of weeks has been dreaming about what ifs you know and that is almost as powerful to wonder about the fantasy of oh we'd love to go to this place for our 20th anniversary or we we really want to gather with our friends or you know fill in the blank for a lot of that stuff but then there's also this reality that like we have time to have those conversations because we don't have anything else going on tonight <laughs> and and we've got we still have a lot of things that we have to do but it's not because both of us are still working and so we have this space where we're blessed to say to be able to still have jobs and stuff when not everyone's got that. But do we need all these other things still? You know, do we need to do all that stuff? And I personally have gotten to the point where it's like, oh, I think I might should spend more time with friends and stuff. Maybe we don't need to have as many meetings. Maybe we, you know, those are the questions I'm asking myself. How much of that was really running the church and how much of it was what we were used to doing? Mm-hmm. Um, like, how do we get, can we get some of that stuff done quicker, easier via technology? via distribution of resources, stuff like that. But it should be, I mean, like, that should be what we should, in a perfect world or in a real world, can we peel away the things that we've always done to find some, to find the core of what we're doing? And then, but that also leads us into places too where we, we find that some of the things that we've been using as habits have actually hindered our faith uh, or they've been hindered our personal growth or they've uh, been masking other problems that we haven't been addressing. And that's why I think this is such a hard time is that we have a mix of that. Like for some of us, our habits are really, really important for keeping us going. You know, I personally have gained a couple pounds uh, in the middle of all this because my work habits were to not be home much, to think about food or to be on my best of days, keep myself in a healthy calorie deficit. And and so I was in the middle of a, a nice little weight loss journey until this hit and then flipped that thing on its head because now all of a sudden I didn't have evening meetings and I was thinking about food and then I, I was like I'm I'm already stressed out I'm not going to worry about being hungry and stressed out anyway maybe that's the journey many of us are on right now oh yeah <laughs> yeah I saw something about you know the, the mask wearing is not so much to stop the virus it's keeping the food out of your mouth <laughs> wear your mask 
mask at home. We're not required to wear our masks at home to stop us from eating. This idea we were talking about before we started recording about in this time where there may be, you may have more free time or you're, as you're, the dust is settled enough, we're kind of adjusting to what our schedules look like now. <laughs> Bible is chock full of stories of people dealing with uncertainty. It's mm-hmm. kind of a relevant theme through the entire thing, Old yeah. and New Testaments, and if you have an Apocrypha or like other readings, like there's just one thing. People don't know what's going to happen next. How did they deal with it? So we had kind of bounced around the idea of, oh, what would be some good stuff for people to read? And then you're like, oh, the entire thing. Like right. not that you have to, well, you've got free time, read the Bible cover to cover, but literally anywhere you look, start there's going to be a story about somebody dealing with uncertainty. Right. Um, so that is at least reassuring that we have, you know, some stories to draw on some other people in the circumstance. But yeah, it's kind of one of those things we were talking a little bit about um, the, the writings of Paul, like you had said, and in the face of this brave new world that he was part of still coming up against people who insisted in doing things in an old way and there was a little bit of tension there right in a lot of his writings that if we i guess we want to give you a place to start like look at the epistles like the letters paul paul's right. letter to yeah. any of them there's really good stuff in there about this I don't, the, the, the the throwaway term is culture war but i don't want to say war because it's right. not this violent uprising but this people staunchly defending the way we've always done thing in the face of people like, but we have to try something new. Right. Like, that's very real in society right now. Yeah. I mean, we, we dealt with that in the early stages of trying to figure all this out. We, we had some um, suggestions and some criticisms and stuff about how we should do things differently. And some of those were incredibly helpful to be like, oh, we didn't even think about that yet. You know, in the middle of it, we also had to sit here and go, we're new to this too. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think Paul was trying to lead when he was still trying to learn. Um, it's kind of a weird place to lead from. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to take some chances. Yeah. Um, you know, which which is a time, honestly, here or, or in our day and age where we've got to have, we should really have a lot of grace for folks who are, well, for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And having some of that, uh, being, finding out things or noticing things that someone else could fix is not all that helpful um, until they need it. You know, we need that. There are there are moments where it's like, man, we, we we could be, we could really be better if someone would help us do this, or would or would point out a way we could do this better. But that doesn't mean it doesn't sting when someone tells you you're wrong or points out that you should have been sitting somewhere else, or uh, you know, or, or the thing you'd notice. Like I've I've seen a couple of those where like, oh man, what am I doing with my eyes? Um, I do this little quirky thing when I'm recording that I don't notice half the time until you put me on a screen where my face is three quarters of it that just oh my gosh yes right with the things I never expected you know in seminary I wasn't like oh I can't wait until I'm running a video blog but now I am right yeah they uh, didn't have the TV training in your seminary classes really why not well and it's you know there's the sense of honesty that I'd rather have in many ways I just don't realize you get to see my own facial expressions as I'm talking and I don't normally get to do that so it's good yeah learning for everyone but it is and so there is like that idea like we we need to embrace the change which is never easy in in there are no such as perfect conditions but even if Things were normal or how they used to be instead of our new normal. Like change is hard under the best situation. Right. And now we're in this 
space where it's like mandatory. Like you got to deal with the fact yeah. that we're, you know, I don't know if you've heard some of the backdrop of different people are starting to roll out plans for what they're calling reopening of commerce businesses oh, yeah. and how that's going to look and what that's going to be, which in some ways, and I feel like this is a very good parallel to early Christian or way followers, messianic movement. Here's this new thing. We've incorporated it. Now, how do we get back? Right. Right. What's our strategy for making things normal, safe, like they used to be? Right. And there was a big push that Paul had said, where you can't. Like, there's a line that we've crossed that we can't go back to. Yeah. And I'm not... That, that may sound a little fatalistic as far as society goes, but you know what I'm saying, like, this will perfectly change us, like... It should. It should. If it doesn't, what's the point of going through this experience? Right. Experience. Yeah, I, I see that. And I think we have those options. And to me, that's what we have to be thinking about. You and I as church leaders and people of faith that we need to be thinking about what is the growth for this? What is the wisdom? What can we help? And then how can we invite other people into a deeper sense of God loves you, a deeper sense of God's with you at all the time? People may, I hope people are praying more now. How do we invite that to be, to create new habits so that when it's over, people are still praying more and not, they go, oh, I remember back in 2020 when I prayed a lot. I haven't done that since. Right, right, and is. But I'm one of those people. Like I pray more now, and you know, I regularly do. I pray as part of my job, but now I found myself stopping and spending more time in contemplation prayer and more time reading scripture uh, than I did in the past. Not because I didn't read in the past, but because now it's like I'm seeking. I need that wisdom. I need that hope, and so that's been a big part of my change. And so I hope that I hope that stays. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you know, which means some of those habits. Maybe I'll can. I've been asked to continue my morning devotional video things that I do, and uh, you know, this has been great because it, it, we had we should have seen this. We're staring at the whiteboard, going, "What are we going to do today?" You know, because even our paradigm has shifted. What what will it leave us with? I think is the question, and I think all of us need to be asking ourselves that. This could be a time where even if it, even though it's painful, even though it's hard, even though it's sad that people are dying, and, and those things are really frustrating. There's this sense of grief and loss. It doesn't mean we can't gain wisdom from it. It doesn't mean it can't grow us. And I guess that's kind of my hope is this, is that I can find something to take away, even though this has been a rough, I mean, the last month was pretty rough. I'm such a people person, get stuck in this sense of you can't go out. You can't spend time with people. I mean, uh, it's kind of my go-to. If I had had a boring week to set an appointment with someone, go into town and have lunch or stop by somebody's house and have a conversation. I mean, that kind of stuff you just can't do anymore. Yeah, but what are we going to take away from this, I guess, is that, that end question. Mm-hmm. You made a great point there, and I think that's the... Maybe some people are thinking about it, and it might be on the back end, since we're we're in a place where we're kind of forced and encouraged to focus on how we're dealing. Um, a lot more introspection, a lot more isolation. But then to your point about how do we bring people with us when... It's called the attractional model of church is not feasible right, right now. So how how do we witness? How do we share? How do we spread yeah. other people's spiritual growth when the way we did it, we can't. Like I literally, like we can't invite people to church right now. We can send them a link. We can say right. jump online with us. But then there's there's that element of the the actual physical connectivity in the community that's yeah. that's gone. So. What's you know, and I'm not saying like you figured this out. So tell tell the listeners at home how you've got this mapped out. But it is this this other end of it. And now that we're however many weeks in, I think that's the next thing that might engage people in a little more positive spin. Is how do we reach out? Yeah, 
Yeah, so and I tell you like what we're doing, you know, we've got some regularly scheduled Zoom meetings, some Google chats, we're text messaging, calling, emailing like everyone else is, but then like you had mentioned before in a conversation, like if you've got a game subscription in a network, like that's a thing. Like and people who are gamers know this is their yeah. their community, but like well, this, I've got friends I haven't seen in years. Right. <laughs> but, but, but we have but you know what's going on with have, them because we have played games together and talked in the middle of that right and it doesn't necessarily have to be around a fortnight round or something but just think about those things if you've got um like i know every ios apple platform google like they're they're pretty cheap things like six bucks a month you get an arcade you can invite people to literally play games with you on your phone turn-based like there's a lot of things we can do digitally that we used to do at the table that we're looking into yeah and at least this time it gives us something something else to or some other way to connect. Yeah. So. And that's ultimately I guess what we're talking about, right? What is what where are our connections right. now and what those look like going forward and what that we're all assuming that at some point we'll be allowed to go outside again. Right. Well we can go outside, we just can't go anywhere. Right, else. with people like this. Yeah. So whatever <laughs> that, if we have to have our personal protection equipment on while right. we're in groups, whatever those if they do numbers still, those things, but then what does that look like? Do we all immediately Oh my gosh, people, let's go do that. Right. And no, then, I think it'll get rolled out little by little. Yeah. I don't think we'll be free of this until August. Mm-hmm. It's my guess. My my non educated guess on this one. I have no <laughs> just seeing that you know China did not automatically as soon as they got less cases jump into and they had fewer cases than we did we do <laughs> so who knows uh, who knows what is next but my hope in this time is that we can find uh, what is that that Easter life that post resurrection what does that look for us um, how can we maintain and keep some of that graceful loving possibility that maybe we found here or in the midst of this, in our own struggles, maybe it draws us closer to God um, or to those place of, I need answers, Lord, so can mm-hmm. you give them to me? Absolutely. Um, that's, it's weird to talk about still, everything. I mean, we're, we've been in the problem-solving business over the last four yeah. or five weeks in, in some pretty intense ways. And even now, we got some things figured out. We're looking at what to yeah. do next, next steps, but even... In that it's still I'm still waiting for the it's like treading water right we're holding we're, we're, we're patching the dam until right so we figure out till the flood stops right and then okay now let's clean this up and get back to life and it's like that, that yeah. reluctance to embrace that this is still life like we're doing yeah. life right now that's um, that's kind of it's 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 hard and it's weird because even in times of crisis before we've never been this affected I think at least in my lifetime I can't remember another time where whether it was national level tragedies or we hear about like natural disasters devastating a part of the country you'd pray for them you'd send money some people roll up their sleeves and get boots on the ground but then we could collectively be there for them without being affected by it like hurricanes tornadoes whatever it is like oh we'll we'll do things to help you rebuild we're helping other people rebuild and now everyone's individually in this landscape of how do we rebuild i don't know like that's that's weird i don't know what those all of those tips are i mean i talk a little bit about it the um you know if you want to make a list like write down the things you've got 
what are your blessings now? Right. And double down on those. I mean, that's what we're doing at home, even in super low key ways. We do, we can still garden. Yeah. We can still go outside and do yard work. We still have, you know, our, our pets are all healthy and fine as they ever were. I mean, but those kind of things, like we've got, uh, my wife and I have time together to talk or even like little stuff. We've found this, like all, we cleared out our Netflix queue and reloaded it with all the stuff that we weren't <laughs> sure if we wanted to double. Like, oh, I don't know if I right. want to take that on right now. And then like, oh, we can watch this whole series over right. the next four weeks. Like there's, there's little things that I mean, whatever that is for you, right? But like, that's why I say, yeah, it's such a cliche, but count your blessings because that's what you got, right? Yeah, I think on that note, Go count your blessings, and then begin to say what's 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 in it for the next step. You know, as we're as this becomes your normal, what is what are the little ways you can connect with God that God might be inviting you into a, a fuller, more joyous life? Absolutely. Um, on a side note, real quick in conclusion, this Sunday we are going to do a question and answer yes, I doubt sermon. Thomas. Doubting Thomas. So if you have questions that you would like answered from the pulpit, quote unquote, um, not that you'll be standing at the pulpit, but just the idea of like our, yeah. our worship service will be centered around questions people have about their faith and how we can answer them. So if you have one, you can fire it off. Our Facebook page has a comment section. You can send them there. Yep. If you would prefer some anonymity, you can just put a question. Um, the thing we ask is offer us a little bit of context. Yeah. The first question I got, we, we I actually needed context to know what they were asking. So, uh, yeah, so let us know. We'd love to hear. You know, don't just say scripture says. If you know which one you're talking about, if not, uh, just give this close to whatever quote you've heard. Uh, Google can help us out on that. But we want to. I want to answer. I want to answer your questions on Sunday. I think doubt is an important part of our life because it invites us to ask the questions that lead to deeper relationship. So that's what we're doing. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful day, week, whenever, until we next drop one of these on you and you can enjoy that too. So peace be with you and stay strong. God bless.